0: The Marvels is fine, but there's just way too much superhero world ending nonsense wasting my time in what is a very, very good Flurkin movie. Welcome, everyone, to Feelin' Film. I'm your host, Aaron White, and I bring you weekly reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler free. Today, I'm here to talk about the newest release from Marvel Studios, the newest entry in the MCU. You know that cinematic universe that we used to love so much that was almost guaranteed every film was going to come close to like a billion dollars at the box office? And theaters were going to be overfilled on opening night, this was a completely different experience because there just were only a handful of critics there to see this and review it. And usually, historically, at its height, our press-only screenings were completely full. I think that the MCU might be in a little bit of trouble. But we're here to talk about this movie. The movie is The Marvels. Coming to us, of course, from Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. It stars Brie Larson, Teona Paris, Iman Vellani, Zawi Ashton, Park Seo Joon, and Samuel L. Jackson. It is directed by Nia DaCosta, written by DaCosta, Megan McDonnell, and Alyssa Karasik, and based on Marvel Comics. Cinematography is by Sean Bobbitt. It is edited by Katrin Hedstrom. And Evan Schiff, and music is by Laura Carpman. It runs 105 minutes and is rated PG-13 for action, violence, and brief language. What's it about? While investigating a wormhole linked to the Cree, Monica Rambeau's powers become entangled with those of Kamala Khan and Carol Danvers. The trio team up to determine why they are swapping places with each other every time they use their powers. Now this is kind of officially a sequel to Captain Marvel, but it is done so in a very unique way because it's not really just about Bree Larson's character, Carol Danvers, it's truly a team-up film and coming into this, there are three leading ladies, but two of which have really only been introduced previously in Marvel TV series that aired on Disney Plus. I think that it definitely helps to be familiar with them, they do make attempts to give you some backstory. Particularly early on, there's a scene with Carol Danvers where she's going through some sort of memory reclamation activity, and it shows you her past and like really quick shot scenes from her previous film. But it's been since 2019, since her mainline movie and Avengers Endgame, and so it's understandable if we've kind of forgotten where she is in life and where she's been in the universe for all of this time they do a somewhat okay job of letting us know what has happened to Monica Rambo and how she got to being where she is and Kamala Khan I think even less so maybe because that series of hers was the most recently aired one of the three backstories But for me, I only am familiar with Monica Rambeau's backstory. I watched all of WandaVision and only a little bit of Miss Marvel. And so I felt like I was missing out on some of what got Kamala Khan to the place where she currently was. And that was a bummer for me. So I'm just saying, if you're in this boat that I am and you haven't kept up with every single scrap of Marvel, Content, you may come out feeling similar to me, but they do try to bridge that gap as best they can. And I think by the end of the film, it really didn't matter to me. And I was on board with the Kamala and the Monica Rambo that we get on screen, you know, that are developed throughout this particular story. Now, a team up film doesn't work unless the team has chemistry. And luckily, Amon Valani is able to be the glue that creates this. Brie Larson as Captain Marvel exhibits some of the same traits here that she got criticism for in her solo film. She's just not really very emotional. And that is offset by the fangirling that Amon Valani's character of Miss Marvel is constantly doing throughout this film. And then you got Monica Rambeau, who's kind of set in the middle. She and Carol also are kind of working through this being their first reunion uh, in a long, long time. The first time that Carol has seen her since she was a young child when Carol first left Earth. So there's a little bit of friction there that has to be worked through. And the whole while you've just got Miss Marvel making jokes and being a teenage girl, which is a lot of fun. She's Really excellent on screen, and Marvel would do well to make Imondalani a focal point of whatever they're going to do going forward. I think she is a key, key part if they want to be successful. The body switching mechanics with their powers are pretty interesting and uh, make for some fun and dynamic action scenes. Only really takes place a couple of different times where they're using them in action, but it does allow for us to never quite be certain when that switch is going to happen. So if you see someone in the middle of a fight with a villain, at any point, the person could kind of bamf out of the way and someone else would take their place and be able to use a slightly different type of power in order to combat whatever was being thrown at them at that moment. And that was really well executed. I think that overall like the fight scenes are not anything that's going to win awards but they are more fun and specifically the first one is more fun because it takes place in a house and has some regular everyday humans involved which adds an element uh, to it they never really felt that dangerous either this felt much more like a pg-13 movie where people weren't going to be killed they were just going to be punched until they kind of fell off to the side unconscious and were no longer a threat think think of it like a spider-man movie where the guys just end up webbed over in the corner they're not actually dead that that's the tone that we're going with in this particular film there's also one really funny scene in particular where the three ladies are in a more comfortable environment and actually taking some time to do some tests on their body switching and their powers and I really enjoyed that it was it was quite a hoot. As for the serious plot of this film, it's incredibly undercooked. First of all, Zawe Ashton, terrible. Absolutely, horribly cast in this role. I don't want to put it all on her as an actress, but honestly, she shouldn't be here. When we meet her here, we don't get the backstory of how she arrived at this level of power and control that she has over the Cree people. She's got some Ultimate weapon, and she's trying to find something more powerful. And she's got this whole plan to like resurrect the Kree world. And she just is frequently raging at the screen in close up shots. And it doesn't work for me at all. I, I don't buy her. The physicality of her as a major villain absolutely does not work. She's a very short and petite actress, and it just comes off completely cheesy and unbelievable that she would even be able to remotely stand up against one, much less three, of the Marvels. Uh, It just did not work at all for me. It's also a little bit unfortunate and kind of just unlucky timing that this film is dealing with a plot very similar to world events that could maybe be triggering to some people in the way that the movie's plot echoes this idea of different groups of people vying for the same resources and one maybe being willing to sacrifice the other in order to keep their own alive definitely was on my mind as I was watching this play out. Outside of that serious main plot, this movie is kind of all over the place. It is frequently silly and ridiculous. There are two big musical numbers one where a character in a very meta way actually calls it out as being a lot like fan fiction. I didn't find that scenario funny at all. It's atrocious and completely nonsensical. The other musical number, however, is incredible. It involves the and The song choice is absolutely one of the best matching songs to go with a scene that I've seen in a film all year. It had the audience in complete stitches. And honestly, any time that Goose, the Flurkin, the cat is on screen, everything that happened was laugh out loud funny. I, I truly think that this movie would have done well to been even more lighthearted and just I don't know whatever this villain whole plot was. Like it, it just it doesn't mix well with the funny tone that is happening. In the other scenes and everything with the Flurkin. Like more Flurkin, more Flurkin. I don't think you could go wrong by making a whole movie about the Flurkin. Luckily, we get to see him several times, but we could have done with even more. If you've seen the Miss Marvel series at all, you'll know that her family is beloved and they get some moments to shine here too. They bring some really fun banter, especially her mother. And Nick Fury has a couple of good one liners as well, but. Their dialogue is very hit and miss. The script is not the greatest. It is pretty poor. And there are some absolutely awful line readings that have to take place in here that are so dumb, they will make you roll your eyes very, very hard. Altogether, it's not a disaster. It's a decent enough light romp, I guess, and it showcases diverse female-led action in a unique way, but it feels so chopped to pieces and it suffers really badly from a villain and a main plot that just fall completely flat and I've also grown just so tired of superhero films that make the green screen this obvious many of them are shot with close-ups all the time and it's not appealing you never really feel like these characters are in an actual space they always come off as if they are in a little box together and it's distracting, and it is not that enjoyable, visually speaking. And then there's just some really, really terrible CGI in this as well, which is not even shocking or surprising anymore. It has become par for the course. It is the norm now for Marvel movies to have bad CGI, which is really frustrating and just unacceptable, in my opinion. When it comes to mid-credits and post-credits scene, you definitely want to stick around for the first one. The mid credit scene is the biggie, and the audience is likely going to erupt in your theater and go crazy when they see it. The second one is nothing more than some cast sounds behind the last final logos that are showing on the screen. Completely worthless, pointless. So feel free to bail after the teaser if you don't want to stick around anymore for that. The Marvels will be in theaters on November the 10th. And you can see it for yourself. That's it for me on this episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast and this video. Please let me know what you think when you do see the film. Hit me up in the comments and tell me where you agree, where you disagree. I'd love to know. Also, feel free to follow us on social media and like, share, and subscribe to our content on all platforms. Thank you for watching or listening. Appreciate you so much. I'll be back soon. Till then, keep watching and keep feeling filled.